here's my problem with the idea of being free from having to keep God's law. I'm free from having to keep the law, but I'd be blowed if I don't want to keep it anyway. I love God's law. Don't you? Christ has set you free. If you are a Christian, then you are free from condemnation. There is no one in this world, and even God himself can never again point a finger at you and say, you sinner, free from condemnation. You're free from the grip of sin. That means that when you're tempted, it means when the opportunity to sin presents itself to you, you don't have to do it. There's no compulsion. There's no power that can make you do that sin. You're free from the grip of Satan. Satan cannot touch you. He cannot make you do anything. And also because you're in Christ and because he cares for you and loves you and is with you in every situation, you're free from anxiety you're free from worry, you're free from care. That's all amazing. But there's another freedom that you enjoy as a Christian. And that is the freedom that Paul is most concerned about here. It's the freedom from having to keep rules in order to be approved by God. Because Jesus has done everything that was necessary to save you, it is not necessary for you to keep any law in order to win God's approval. You are free from the curse of having to keep the law of God. You do not have to keep any rules. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. I wanted to remind you of that. It's a very important foundation for what is to come. You see, at this point, a lot of faint-hearted preachers and commentary writers panic and start backpedaling furiously. Here's how it goes. They say, yes, Paul teaches here that you are free. You are free from under the law. You do not have to keep any rules. Keeping the law won't save you. But, but, just in case you were thinking of going out and having a good time, but you can't just do what you like. You can't go killing people. Well, okay, that's not a problem. I can understand that. It wouldn't be nice to go around murdering people. Yeah, we'll go along with that. You shouldn't steal. Well, yeah, okay. Stealing's not a good thing. A little bit harder, but all right. Adultery, that is not a good idea. No more adultery. Coveting, well, that's a harder one to keep, but yes... It's wrong to envy the things that other people have and to want things for yourself. But, but preacher, can I work on a Sunday? No, you can't work on a Sunday. You've got to come to church. I want you here. Can I have a drink now and again? Do you see what's happened? What they have given you with one hand, they've taken away with the other. You're back living under the law again. 
It might be dressed up a bit differently, but it feels the same, and it is the same. Don't let that happen to you. Your freedom in Christ is way too important. Don't go back again to living like a slave. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now, to be fair, it is true that this idea of our freedom in Christ does bring up some problems and difficult questions. I've said that already. I said it the last time, and I asked you to be patient. The problems will be dealt with. Let's deal with them in the order in which Paul deals with them here in the passage. And if we do that, we'll be less likely to go wrong. But anyway, so much for the recapping. We'll move forward now into some new territory, and we're going to look this morning at chapter 5 and verse 5. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Here's my problem with the idea of being free from having to keep God's law. I'm free from having to keep the law, but I'd be blowed if I don't want to keep it anyway. I love God's law. Don't you? I just love God's law. All of it. Let me tell you why. I love God's law, first of all, because it is God's law. Now, what I'm going to say here probably isn't a new idea for you. I know we've talked about it before. God's law is not a set of rules that God dreamed up to keep us in order and make things go better in the world. If you think that, you are selling it far, far short. God's law, like everything God says, comes from God's heart. It describes what God loves and what God hates. It describes what delights God, what pleases Him, and what angers Him. Let me give you an example. You shall not commit adultery. Now, some people will take that part of God's law and they look at it and they say something like, well, a spot of adultery might be good fun, but it causes all kinds of problems in the world, so God made a rule, no adultery. And that keeps things right if only everybody would stick to it. No, 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 no. That is not the right way of it. God is fundamentally, thoroughly, and eternally a faithful God. He keeps his promises. He honors his commitments. It is who he is. God cannot be anything less than 100% faithful. Because that is who God is, God delights in faithfulness. Faithfulness gives God the greatest pleasure. And he hates and he burns with wrath against all unfaithfulness. That's just one example. You can see the rest of God's law in a similar way. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you see how the law of God describes God himself? So God's law is a picture of my God. 
I love my God. So I love his law. Don't you? The second reason why I love God's law follows very closely on from that. And it's simply that God's law is also a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it tells us in Hebrews chapter 1, doesn't it, about Jesus, that he is the brightness of God's glory and the express image of his person. So if God's law describes God to me, if God's law is a picture of my God, it's also a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is altogether lovely. This is my beloved, and this is my friend. I love the Lord Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. I love God's law. Here's another reason why I love God's law. It takes me nearer to where I most long to be, and it makes me look more like what I want to look like. It takes me nearer to where I most want to be, and it makes me look more like what I want to look like. Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 3, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. We're looking forward to heaven. New heavens and a new earth. One day we're going to be there. And I would be surprised if there's any of you who would say, I don't want to be there. Oh, how we long for heaven. And the more we go on in this world and the more we see of it, the more we long for heaven. What's it going to be like there? Well, there are lots of things about heaven I'm sure that we don't know, but we do know that it's going to be full of happy, joyful people. We do know that nobody there is going to feel burdened by having to keep rules. We know that nobody is weary. We know that nobody is in any way dissatisfied. We know that nobody is ever disappointed or discontent, but we also know that everybody in heaven is a perfect law keeper. There's no sin in heaven. Everybody there freely and joyfully keeps the whole law of God, the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. So I love God's law because it also describes my deepest joy my future joy, my eternal happiness. And I I love God's law because while I remain on this earth, my purpose for being here is to glorify God. My purpose in being here is to make him known, to make much of him, to show him to anyone who will see, to declare him to anyone who will listen. How am I going to do that? Because the law tells me how. I just love the law of God. Don't you? God's law is a perfect delight. So the psalmist thought, Psalm 119, verse 47, I delight myself in your commandments which I love. My hands also I will lift up to your commandments which I love. And I will meditate on your statutes. Psalm 19, verses 7 to 11. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. 
More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and the keeping of them there is great reward. Psalm 40, verse 8, I delight to do your will, O God, and your law is within my heart. God's law is a perfect delight. Here's how Paul puts it. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. To be righteous, to stand perfect in the eyes of the law before God. That's a definition of righteousness, isn't it? To stand perfect in the eyes of the law before God. And Paul says we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. We look forward to it. Now, in a sense, we already are righteous. Righteousness was secured for us at Calvary. Jesus lived a perfect life of righteousness on our behalf. That's why we're free from the law, of course. Because of him, we have been declared righteous, great. But to actually walk continually in righteousness ourselves, to do no sin, well, that's a future hope, isn't it? That's not yet a present reality. One day, but not yet. Don't you long for that day? Aren't you waiting for it eagerly? Don't you look forward eagerly to the day of judgment when God, with the books of the law open before him, will look at you and say, I find no fault here. There is no transgression of my law that has not been paid for in full. So I declare you righteous, and then you will proceed to an eternity of living perfect without fault before God's law, looking forward eagerly to the hope of righteousness, yearning for that day, yearning for it. Why do we yearn for it? because we love righteousness. I yearn for it because I just love the law of God. So here's my problem. Oh dear, I am set free from having to keep the law. I'm no longer burdened by having to keep rules. But oh, I love that law. I can't forsake it. I can't say it doesn't matter. I can't say it's something of no significance at all. What's wrong with me? Well, Paul says, we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. What gives me that problem, the thing that is wrong with me, it's the Holy Spirit's doing. Through the Spirit, we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness, Paul says. The Spirit causes us to thirst for righteousness. That's why we eagerly wait for it. He has got inside of us. He puts within us desires after righteousness, and he turns obedience into joy. I'm free 
Glory to God, I'm free. I don't have to keep any law to improve my standing with God in the least bit. And glory to God, it's all his doing. I love his law with all my heart. Isn't that absolutely amazing? It's what God said would happen back in the days of Jeremiah. You know these words very well, Jeremiah 31, 33. I will put my law in their minds and write it in their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. He said it through Ezekiel. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. And it's what Paul wrote about in Romans chapter 7. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. Now next week we're going to begin to look at how this works itself out in practice, in day-to-day living. And in particular we're going to see what it means when it says, We through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith, and neither circumcision or uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. That's for next week, but for now... A question. Do you love the law of God? Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm afraid some of you might be thinking, what is he on about? I have no idea. Now, if you're not a Christian, then more than likely that is what you're thinking. Because if you're not a Christian, the natural bent of your heart is not to love the law of God. Your natural bent is to do what pleases yourself. But some of you might be thinking, well, yes, I'm saved and I like the idea that I don't have to keep the law. Actually, I like that idea very much because the law of God doesn't mean an awful lot to me. Yes, I know I'm I'm a decent person. I don't do anything terribly bad. But yearning for righteousness, delighting in God's law... Loving God's law more than gold or silver? Hmm. Couldn't really say that applies. Well, I have to say this. If that's the case, it might mean that you're not a Christian. Might mean there's no Holy Spirit in there. Might mean there's no new heart. You really ought to check up on that. It might mean that you're not saved. But there could be other reasons, and we look more closely at what those reasons might be in weeks to come. But those same reasons will apply if you're thinking to yourself, yes, I am saved, I know I am, and there is in there some spark of a desire to live for God. And probably this will apply to to more people. Yes, I know I'm saved. There is within me some spark of a desire to live for God. There is some flickering desire for God's law and for righteousness. But it's not what it might be. It's not as you describe it. I can't really say, oh, how I love God's law with all my heart. I wouldn't, if I'm honest, say, Lord, your law is a delight to me. It's more precious to me than gold and silver. It's more sweet to my taste than honey. It's not as you describe it. It's not as David described it in the Psalms. 
Well, as I say, there are reasons as to why it might be that way, and we'll talk about them over the coming weeks. But for now, I want to say to you that if that is the case, if you do not delight in the law of God, then things are not as they should be. You're not in a good place. No. If you don't delight in the law of God, go home. Organize your life to get rid of anything that's not a priority. Make time. Close yourself away. Get down before God and pray. Fast if you need to. Make it your number one priority. Until you can say from your heart, I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. Let's pray. Lord our God, for many years we have read these psalms where the psalmist talks of delighting in the law of God where he says it is more precious than silver and gold. I don't know what we've thought. Maybe we thought, yes, that's nice. Maybe we thought it's for someone else. Maybe it never occurred to ask ourselves, why not me? But Lord, when we think of what your law is, how it describes you to us, how it describes the Lord Jesus in all his loveliness and beauty, when we think how it describes that place that we long to be, when we think how it directs us for what is our sole purpose in this world, oh Lord, should it not be the norm that we love and delight in your law? Oh Father, forgive us, our hearts are cold, our hearts are hard. Whatever the reason for it, Lord, bring us, graciously bring us to that point where your law is a delight to us. For we pray in Jesus' name.